Welcome to Behind the Black Curtain, an inspiring podcast that follows the story of Nikki Rowland's incredible journey. Join Nikki as she inspires other single women and single moms to be courageous and continue to persevere through their own life journey. Together, we will learn from Nikki's success and struggles as we create a tribe of women committed to finding freedom from their past, purpose in their present, and unlocking the potential for the future. Welcome to Behind the Black Curtain. Hey babes, welcome back to Behind the Black Curtain. (laughs) It's your girl Nikki. Um, you guys, we're on part three of this immigration story. Part three is going to be the finale. Okay. But let me do a quick recap of the previous episodes. So in episode one, I told you guys about the fact that I am originally from Belize. I was brought to the country illegally and I spent many years here undocumented because of that. I eventually had to leave the country and got locked out. Um, in part two, I went over the, the process of what it was like with us living out of the country and the issues that we dealt with me and my children. And now with part three, we're going to talk about my journey back to the U S. So with the previous episode, part two, I left off letting you guys know how, you know, my ex-husband has been at the time decided he wanted a divorce And there were days that the kids and I didn't have any money and like barely anything left to eat in the home. Like I would just have to become creative. So I'm going to finish up that story and then we're going to go into what the process was like trying to get back to America. With my husband at the time, I don't know what the deal was with him and the whole money situation. I knew it wasn't an issue of he didn't have, but whatever he was doing over here, it was impacting us big time over there. And like I said, I remember going to the ATM at one point and there was no money there only to call him and find out that he stopped the direct deposit from going to the account that I had access to. And he apparently opened another account that I had no access to. There was a day in particular that we had no food to eat. We woke up that morning and everything that we had was done. I had no food to eat and I had no money to buy food. This is the first time in my life that I had experienced this. And it's the only time, to be honest. I woke up and I was like, okay, I don't know. Like, God, I don't know what you're going to do because... I don't have money to get anything and I don't have food to to feed my kids. This story here trips me out every time I think about it because there's something in the Bible. Y'all don't quote me, okay? Don't quote me. But there's some there's a verse or something in the Bible that says about that speaks about God using your enemies to bless you. Something in, in that matter. Y'all. So here's the story. We woke up that morning, there's no food. I don't know how I'm going to get us food. I said a prayer. And mind you guys, this is the time where I'm building my relationship with God. And I'm praying and I said, God, you said that you are my provider, that I need to look to you. I am tired. I don't know what to do. I have nothing. Like, it's out of my hands. It's above me now. <laughs> I didn't say it like that, but basically, it's a. this is above me now. I need you to show up. And I need you to step in like, if you're really here with me and you're listening to what I'm saying, 
I need you to show up. And there was a piece that was over me during that time, which is insane, right? Because, girl, you ain't got no food. And I've never been in that situation before. But there was a piece that was over me where it bothered me that we were in the situation, but I wasn't necessarily worried. Now, there was a laundromat that was directly across the street from the apartment we were staying in. And this laundromat is like you go in, you drop your clothes off, you they wash, fold, and you go back and you pick it up. This woman that worked at the laundromat was just so, you know, just like majority of the other women that I came across there, just rude for no reason. And I just want to put this in real quick. I have nothing against women. I love women. I love empowering empowering women. I'm a woman, I'm a life coach to women. So I love to empower women. I love to see women win and be bold and do great things. I love that. I love seeing women get along with each other and help build each other up. I really feel like that's what we're supposed to be out here doing. Unfortunately, your girl just kept coming across women that just automatically was just like, they just wanted to be nasty for whatever the reason. But I just want to put it out there. I don't have anything against women. I'm not one of those that I don't have friends because women didn't know. Like, I wish I had more women friends, but whatever. So this woman was just, you know, just nasty like the rest. But I would just go get my clothes washed and bring it home. But she liked my daughter. And (laughs) for whatever reason, she took a liking to my daughter. And this particular morning, this woman stands outside her laundromat door and she's calling my daughter's name, just screaming her name from across the street. And I'm just like, what the heck does she want? And so my daughter goes to go, you know, she goes, steps out on the porch to go see. And I stood by the door to just hear what she was saying. And she told her, come here, come here. I have something for you. And my daughter goes across the street and comes back with food. (laughs) Y'all, she comes back with a plate of food that is like overflowing with food okay and it's a Belizean breakfast and it's like fried jack and eggs and fried beans and I don't remember what else she had in there and more than enough okay more than enough of what we needed and I was blown because I'm like yo what wait a minute first of all she don't like me okay she does not like me but the fact that she gave her she gave my daughter so much food we know that she knew we were all going to eat from that food. She knew that. And so when my daughter came with that, I was like, what did she say to you? She was like, she asked me did if, I, if I wanted some breakfast. And I said, okay. And she gave me all this food. At first, I was just like, mm, I don't know if we should eat it. Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she being evil. But my mind immediately switched. And I was like, nah, I prayed. And this is God answering my prayer. And this blessing came to me in the most unexpected way. Here's a little lesson for y'all right now, in case I don't get to remember this at the end of the podcast, but your blessing may show up coming from somebody that you least expected, right? Somebody that's like your enemy, but God will use anybody to bless you Two, God always has your back. Now, at this time, as I, as I said before, I was growing my relationship with God and I was just like praying and just trusting, just trusting because I ain't had nothing else to believe in, right? 
And that was the first time I, I believe it was the first time I experienced a miracle in my life. Cause to me, that was a flipping miracle. Like this woman had no idea. She had no idea that we, we sat in that house with no food. She had no idea. I had nothing to feed my kids that morning. None at all. And the fact that she like, it was put on her heart to share and to not just share just enough. Like y'all, we ate more than enough. So it just, it just heightened my trust in God and my belief that, yeah, God is actually real. This situation sucks and it's so hard and I don't, I can't even figure out how this is all going to unfold, but that was a sure sign to me. Like, yo, God is with me. He hears me and he's very much real. And I never forget that story. Every time I'm going through situations where it's like, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out or how I'm going to get this or whatever that will pop up in my mind. Like there's always going to be a way and your provider will provide. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that story with you guys. Um, It's unfortunate that we even had to experience that because again, it's not like I didn't have a husband that was making good money, but there were times where I would have to reach out to my mom and she would like send money through Western Union or MoneyGram. I had a friend and he um, would check on us all the time and he would send money as well. So that was that was a very challenging time for us. You know, I'm there foreign country. My children are in a foreign country. They're afraid. I'm afraid. We're all just trying to make the best of each day. And it's like we got abandoned in a way. But anyway, let's talk about this process of getting back to America. So when I was in the house, the last place that I had moved into, my ex-husband or husband at the time had called me one day and he said, hey, I have something that I want to read to you. I'm like, okay. And I just sat there holding my breath because I I didn't know what he was going to read to me. (laughs) And then he said, basically to sum it up, it was like, congratulations, your XYZ form has been a proved and you can come back to the United States like welcome to the United States or something like that y'all I said what I said read it again (laughs) it's like read it again because I need to make sure I heard this right and he was like you got approved you can come back yo y'all oh my gosh when I say screaming I was screaming screaming jumping up and down i'm telling the kids they jumping up and down everybody's screaming we're running through like we're running through this house just hyped just so hyped and it was just an overwhelming feeling like there was nothing you could say to me after that to mess up my mood there was nothing you could like i was on a high i literally went from people telling me almost every single day like girl just get adjusted to being here and y'all might as well get comfortable because it's going to be five years or more or you you may never be able to go back. People really were trying to get me to believe this and I understand because this is the norm, right? But when you're rocking with God, <laughs> your life is not going to be the norm. Like your be- your blessings are not going to be the norm. And so I went from the five-year mark where everyone was telling me to like nine months, not even a full year, not even a full year. And I got approved. Y'all can't tell me nothing. So, (laughs) so I'm just, I'm hype. My kids are hype. And he's like, all right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to come out there to get you guys. We're going to sell your Montero and we're just going to bring like the clothes and stuff back. 
because we're going to go through, what we'll do is we'll sell the Montero, we'll go through Mexico so we can stay in Cancun for a couple days. And then from there, we're going to fly out and go to Miami. We were going to Miami to visit my sister. So I'm like, all right, bet. So before you do all that, you have to go back to the U.S. Embassy <laughs> and they do their little funky interview and they stamp your stuff, your paperwork. They give you like an envelope to take with you um, and it's filled with documents and they let you know, do not open this envelope. Like you cannot open it when you get to the U.S. You're going to give it to immigration when you get there. I'm like, okay, cool. So we sell the, the vehicle and make some pretty good money off of it and we have all our stuff packed up and the day comes for us to leave. My father-in-law at the time has offered to drive us to the border. So in case y'all don't know, Belize and Mexico share a border. Okay. He's like, I'm going to drive you guys over. And then from there, you can just take the taxi in Mexico. When you get to the border, you're into, you go into Chetumal. From there, we can take a taxi in Mexico or Chetumal and that taxi can take us to um, the bus terminal so we can get on like the tourist bus or the travel bus that will take us to Cancun. So like, okay, cool. The morning comes, we're ready, we're feeling good. But on the way there, on that drive there to the border, I just started feeling a little uneasy. And I'm like trying to like get this feeling out of my mind because I kept saying, God did not bring me this far to leave me here. God did not get me approved within nine months. I have my packet, I have my paperwork, I have everything saying like, I can now legally be in this country. He didn't do all that to have some drama happen now. So I don't know what this feeling is, but it got to go. So I just kept trying to shake the feeling. But again, it was that same feeling that I got when we originally were going to go to Belize and my daughter was crying that morning, I just felt like something ain't right. So we get to the border and when you get to the border, you have to go into the immigration office on Belize's side. Like Belize has an immigration office right there that you just, you go in and they stamp you out of the country or back into the country, depending on what you're doing. So we're leaving the country so we go to get stamped out that's the only way we can get onto the other side of mexico and be okay with being over there right well he's sitting there waiting for us and we go inside and we get another woman (laughs) we get a woman that is being difficult okay i give her my passport she stamps it so we can leave she stamps my husband's passport and then she gets the little American kids passport, the American passports, she doesn't want to stamp them because now she's looking through their passport and she wants to know when did these kids get here? How long have they been here? Well, I mean, their passports are stamped. So you see when they came in, she's just like, well, why weren't they natural? They were never naturalized. And I'm like, no why they're American kids I didn't find it necessary and she goes well they've been here so long that you were supposed to get them naturalized I said I didn't know that she said well I'm not going to be able to stamp them out of the country because basically like we broke the law girl (laughs) I'm like they are American kids they don't even this is not even their country what do you mean She's like, I'm not going to be able to stamp them out of the country. You two can go. You guys are fine, but they can't leave today. Girl, 
Girl, what? Girl, like, make it make sense. We are their parents. What do you mean we can leave but they can't leave? I said, uh... I'm not about to leave without my kids. What are you talking about? She was like, well, that means you guys can't go today because I can't stamp you. And now I have to, you guys are going to have to go to the immigration office. Like there's an immigration office in Belize City. You're going to have to go there and they're going to have to take care of this for you. But it's a holiday for them. So that office is not even open on Monday. I believe we were supposed to fly out of Cancun on like Tuesday morning. <laughs> I said, this can't be for real. I said, not that America is going to welcome me back with open arms. And y'all won't even let me leave the country. Not me. Not, you don't want to let the American kids leave the country. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, this can't be for real. But my, my husband was just like, don't worry about it. He said, all right. He told her, he's like, you know what? We're going to go use the bathroom and then we'll, we'll just leave. And she said, okay. Well, this is how the setup is. The bathroom is outside of the building and it's like outside on the side of the building. But there is a hallway that you can walk through that will take you to the exit to lead you to the bathroom outside. So we walked through that hall. And as we were walking, he said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to walk across that damn border. And I'm like, what? Y'all, first of all, <clears throat> at the border, it's just filled with soldiers with these massive guns. I, don't, I can't even tell you what the name of the guns are. I don't know anything about guns <laughs> but they they're standing there with these big old guns everybody's straight face is very much intimidating and he's like we're just gonna walk across and I'm just like oh my god but what if they say he was like they're not gonna say anything he was like we're just gonna show them our passports and we're just gonna go and so I'm like oh my god I was so I was so nervous and so we're explaining to the kids like we're gonna walk across okay we don't need you guys. Don't say a word. Don't be looking around. Don't be looking scared. Just act normal. Our oldest son is such, he used to be such a worry wart. Like he, he just would be stressed out about any little thing. And this boy is like, but mommy, but what if, but what if I'm like, nope, zip it. I'm like, I need you to get it together. Like right now. You're not going to look around. You're not. I said, and when we, when we walk across that border, do not look behind you. And he's like, okay. And so I held his hand and we were walking and I'm trying to just have like makeup conversation to just get his mind off of like what's about to go down and try to keep him calm. And I kept telling him like, I need you to stay calm. And he's like, okay. So we get to the border and oh, prior to that, he calls his dad who was waiting for us on Belize side and it was like hey this is what's going on you know we're gonna walk across just drive over there and we're gonna meet you there and his dad said okay and he's like you know and just call a taxi so when we get there we could just put our luggage and go and he's like all right so the dad drives across the border he's already waiting so when we get out there it's just a, a few steps and you can cross over you can literally just look on the other side and see his truck just sitting there with our stuff and he already called the taxi for us <laughs> So we get there and the guy, one of the soldiers or whatever, just looks at me and I just try to just keep a straight face like everything's cool here. And he looks at my husband and says something and then just nods his head like y'all good. And we just walk across and my son starts saying like, mommy, oh my mommy, I'm so scared. I'm like, look, just don't look back. Just look straight ahead. We just need to walk across. Once we made it across, 
we got to that truck and immediately started taking our luggage out and throwing it into the taxi. Now, the taxi, y'all, is a broke down minivan. <laughs> no AC running. Is it? It is hot. Okay, it's hot as hell out there. And I didn't even care. I didn't care. I just knew I needed to get far away from that border. So we throw our luggage into the taxi and there's so many other people piled up in it. Like people are just piled up on, on top of each other. Luggage is piled up on top of each other. And the taxi is going to drive us to the immigration office in Mexico. So we get there. Everybody gets out. We go in and the man stamps us, stamps everybody, no problem at all. There was like no questions or anything. It just stamped. It was completely fine. And I felt like I could breathe, but not fully. You know what I'm saying? Like I could relax a little bit, but I felt like we were still too close to Belize. And so <laughs> I'm just like, I just need this to fully end. So once we he stamped us, we waited on the bus and the bus came, um, the double decker bus, and we got on there, got our luggage, and it took us to Cancun. Once we got to Cancun, we stayed there for like, I think it was like about two days or something like that. We did a little touristy stuff. And from there, we flew out to Miami. Um, <laughs> the thing is, we get to Miami and I get there with uh, my documents or whatever. And they are, they okay everyone else to, to get by except for me. They decide to put me in a, a little room. And the guy is not telling me why he picked me out, why he pulled me out the way he did and it put me in a room where he, he's not saying anything. So it's very much intimidating. And I'm just like, God, when is this story going to end? Because now they start asking me questions about when did I get approved and this, that. Mind you, these these people have all this information right in front of them. Like they have all the immigration information in front of them. Um, but I just answer the questions or whatever. And then he's like, all right, you can go. <laughs> you can go and that is when I got to officially just breathe and have my blood circulating fully in my face again and like come back to life once we got in the car and we were on the way peace and joy came over me like never before I just looked at life so different I just was like overwhelmed with just the, the thoughts of everything that happened within that nine months, like everything just spinning through my mind real quick, like a quick flashback. And the fact that like, I'm like, yo, I can't believe I'm actually here. I've left that place. Like, I don't have to worry about any of that mess anymore. I can, not just that, like, not only do I not have to worry about the crap that I went through while I was there, but now I can be in America and I can move around without the constant worry and stress of I'm undocumented and at any point something can go wrong where I don't know somebody can decide they want me out the country you know what I mean like anything can happen when you're living in this country undocumented it is a very stressful stressful life to live and it's funny when you hear stories about people talking about immigrants and illegal immigrants and the children and they come up with their own stories and they have no like no idea, no clue of what this life is actually like. When it comes to children, please have grace. <laughs> have grace. 
give them grace because the children not bring themselves here. And most of these people that come to this country are not coming here to ruin anything. They're coming here for a better life. Yeah, I know that coming in through a way that's illegal may just seem like just so horrible to some people. But if you ever get the chance to truly sit down and talk to someone that's gone through this and listen to their story, pay attention to why they did what they did, why they felt like they had to do what they had to do. And look at them as a human being, just like you're a human being. A lot of these people come here for a better life for themselves, for them, for their children. And I believe that we all deserve to experience a life of peace, a life where we can grow and experience joy and experience life to the fullest. I don't believe that it should be something that is just subjected to certain people. So let me get off that rant. But that is my story. Uh, once we got, came back to America, we stayed in Miami for about a week, I believe. And my we stayed with my sister out there. And then we went back to LA, my favorite place in the whole wide world. Um, but we went back to LA and we had to start life all over because the house that we were living in before we ended up in Belize, they it was a family house and my mother-in-law had sold it. So we had to find a place to live and we had to stay with her for a little bit. And I had to deal with the process of now like trying to find a job and getting my social security, like getting all my, my legal documents mailed to me and getting a car and just starting life all over. And the thought of it is now that I think about it, it's kind of sad because we had so much and we got stripped, like everything was stripped. Um, so we just had to rebuild and but at that time, I didn't care because all I knew was I got to come back home. I got to come back home and I didn't have to deal with the bullying anymore. <laughs> so I want to share some lessons with you guys that I've learned through that whole ordeal. One of the lessons that really hits me every time is just the significance of parents realizing their responsibility to their children. And that responsibility goes beyond, I'm going to make sure you have a roof over your head, clothes on your back, shoes on your feet, and food to eat. There's so much more that goes into it. We are responsible to make sure that we set our kids up for success. Now, what our kids do with whatever we give to them and whatever we teach them along the way, that is on them when they become adults. But as the parent, and the one responsible. It is your utmost responsibility to make sure your children are set up for success. So whatever it is that you need to do, whatever it is that you know, if you do not do this one thing or two things or whatever, if you don't do it, it is going to cause trouble in your child's life when they get older. It is going to make life difficult for them. It is your responsibility as their parent to get that mess taken care of. Point blank, period. It's not about anyone being a perfect parent or getting everything right or anything like that. But there are certain things that as parents, you, you need to be teaching your kids. There are certain things that you know you need to do and set up and line up for them. So that when they walk out of your door, they're not having to fight certain battles that was unnecessary for them. So whatever that is for you as a parent, whoever is a parent that's listening to this, please take care of it. Take care of your responsibility. Don't have your kids grow up and pay for your procrastination or your lack of whatever you chose not to do 
in the moment out of selfish reasons. So that's, <laughs> that's the first lesson. <laughs> this whole situation also taught me or showed me <clears throat> that I was a lot stronger than I ever thought I was or could be or wanted to be. I remember as I was going through the process, one of my aunts in Belize had said to me, when you come out of this, you're going to be so strong, girl. You're going to be able to get through anything because anything you go through after this will be nothing compared to this ordeal. And I kept saying, like, I don't want to be that strong, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't find it necessary. Like, I ain't got to go through all this. <laughs> like, But it pulled out so much in me that I didn't realize I had. When it first happened, I was breaking every day. I, it was a breakdown every day. But then something in me said, Nikki, you are either going to let this take you out or you're going to fight through. Because of my children, I fought through. Honest to God. Honest to God. Because my children have brought me through so much and they have no idea. But because as a parent that knows what her responsibilities are and want to make sure that at the end of the day, these kids are going to be okay. That's where my strength came from. But it just showed me that I had more power than I realized. It taught me how to improve my mindset. It taught me how to be stronger in my thoughts. It strengthened my faith and it showed me how real God actually is. Because y'all can't tell me, can't nobody tell me God's hand was not in this. You can't tell me. And I mean, like if you're still trying to deny it, I don't know, know what to tell you. But for, for this to be a five-year process and possibly being denied to your girl didn't even spend a year, like within nine months to have my enemy feed me, <laughs> feed me, okay? Overflow with food. You can't tell me God wasn't with me. Now, was the process still hard? Absolutely. But, you know, it says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And it's just a matter of knowing that this, you know, despite the fact that I can't see God and I can't touch God, I know that his presence is with me. And there was always certain things that would happen that was a reminder that I'm here with you. So although I couldn't see what was going on, in the background. I couldn't see what was going on outside of what was right in front of me. God was already working things out. And I, I believe this is a huge lesson for somebody out there. Sometimes we can't see what's happening in the background. We can't see how things are turning around and things are getting better and things are starting to line up for us because what's happening right now is so flipping overwhelming. But just know that if you have a relationship with God, you're going to be okay. There's something that's working out for you. Like he ain't going to leave you hanging. So that's my other lesson that I learned. Okay, right now I want to give you guys three tips to stay positive and help with managing stress if you're going through a difficult time or situation in your life. Number one, I'm going to say get a relationship with God. I can't I can't give you these tips without telling you that because that is the number one thing that kept, that kept my sanity, honestly. And when I say get a relationship with God, I, I'm not referring to you doing getting a relationship based off of what your pastor is telling you, telling you your relationship needs to look like or what your mama or your daddy or your friend are saying. You find God for yourself. You have a personal relationship for yourself because there's something so powerful in that. Number two, practice self-care. 
And it sounds crazy for me to say that right now, right? Self-care doesn't necessarily mean that you're out there getting a mani-pedi or a massage. (laughs) I could be that too. But self-care can look like going out for a walk. Like, Like I told you guys, I took so many walks. I would walk to the park. I would walk and just sit by the water. That was my self-care. That was my healing in the moment. When I felt overwhelmed, when I felt like there were days I felt like I could not talk, you guys. Like I could not talk. And I would just get up and go by that water and just sit there and feel that breeze and let the sound of the waves crashing just soothe me. That was my self-care. So figure out what you need to help bring back peace, even if it's just for a moment for you self-care. And I think I'm going to actually give you guys four tips. So here's the third one. Stay connected. I know I told you guys a lot of stories about how crappy they treated us, but I have to say this. There were people that I was around out there that were so sweet and so kind. So not everybody was like that. It's just unfortunate that we experience more nasty than nice. But I met my sister out there. I have a sister that lives out there. And I have nieces and nephews out there. And my sister, when she found out that I was there, she welcomed us with open arms. Like, they're not rich or anything like that. They, y'all, invited us over and cooked for us and everything and just was always welcoming. And so I hung out with her and her family quite a bit. And we would go and like practice dance and whatnot for carnival and whatnot. And those times like that, help to bring some joy in my life, help to bring hope in my life, help to bring peace and take my mind off of reality. I had a friend out there as well that I I knew her from America and she was deported like years before I ended up out there. So I reconnected with her and her kids and we would do like little weekend stuff with our kids together. And again, it helped to take me out of what the pain that I was actually going through and it just brought me peace. So stay connected. There were um, We used to go to Dangriga several times and spend the weekend out there. And honestly, that's like to me the best place to go in Belize. I'm gonna be honest. That's the best experience I've had. I Everybody out there was always super nice and just real chill with us. So, And I loved it. So stay connected. Because when you completely disconnect from everyone and everything, you will lose your mind. I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat it. You will lose your mind. So stay connected and just grab onto the moments of joy and laughter and fun that you're having and let that guide you through the next day, the next week, or however long it can guide you through. And my last tip is to focus on the positive, which kind of goes in with number three, but just try to reframe your negative thoughts. And if people are trying to feed you thoughts that are not yours, thoughts that you don't believe in or you don't want to accept, don't accept them. People kept trying to tell me to accept that I was just going to be stuck there. Baby, not me. I kept telling them like, not me. Even if I have to go to Canada, we about to move to Canada, but I'm not staying here. But I learned so much during that process. Like my relationship with God grew. My prayer life grew. I started journaling. I journaled so much. And I wish I still had the journals because I wrote about my days in these journals. And I learned to meditate and like change my mindset when I felt like I'm going into a pit at this point. I need to bring myself back. 
So focus on the positive. I know it can be extremely hard, but when you're at a point where all you can think of is negative, when you find yourself just thinking negative and down, that is when you know you need to snap out of it and be like, okay, what is the positive in this moment? What is something good that's actually happening right now? And just grab onto that little one thing and that's gonna help uplift you and change your mood. So that is it, you guys, for today's podcast episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the story. I really wish I could just tell y'all every bit of what happened because there's so much but that is the story overall and it's just quite an experience in my life something that I will never ever forget and it's taught me how to be even more compassionate to people especially people that I don't know why they're in their situation people are so quick to judge this world is so quick to judge but it's taught me how to be more compassionate how to be more loving to myself how to trust God more um, and just even sharing the story now is just reminding me to just trust him in this situation. Okay, babe. So that's it for today's episode. Definitely join me next week as I give you guys an update with what's going on with my situation. And just the fact that I have a way more positive report to share with you guys. I'm actually excited about this. So definitely join me next week. And then after that, we're going to get right back into these story times and just me sharing my journey with you guys and giving you guys an insight of what I've gone through in my own life that has brought me to this point. Other than that, Thank you so much, you guys, for rocking with me. If you'd like to reach out to me, my email address will be in the description of the podcast episode. Y'all can definitely hit me up on Instagram. I love the DMs. I love the messages. When you guys are like specifically telling me parts of the episode that you listen to, I'm like, oh, you really listen. I love that. Um, please continue to rate and review the podcast and share, share, share. I love y'all so much. Thank you so much for your support. And you know, I can't go without leaving you with a scripture. So here we go. Okay, so today's scripture comes from Exodus 14, 13. And if you know anything about the Bible, y'all know about the story of Exodus, okay? But Exodus 14, 13 says, But Moses told the people, Do not be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you just stay calm and the commentary says the people were hostile and despairing but Moses encouraged them to watch the wonderful way God would rescue them Moses had a positive attitude when it looked as if they were trapped Moses called upon God to intervene we may not be chased by an army but we may still feel trapped instead of giving into despair we should adopt Moses attitude to stand still and watch the Lord rescue us. Be blessed, y'all.